Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. This week, Vicky Walker talks to the actor Sir David Suchet, whose reading of the whole of St John's Gospel will be broadcast online on Easter Sunday at 4pm. It was recorded in the Jerusalem Chamber in Westminster Abbey and will be streamed on the Abbey's YouTube channel. So David also talks about his conversion to Christianity and his journey of faith since then. So your initial recording of the NIV Bible encompassed many hours of reading of over three quarters of a million words. What has made you want to revisit it? Well, I think it was about, must be about three years ago now, I was invited by St Paul's Cathedral to to read the whole of Mark's gospel at the very beginning of Lent. And um, it was it was an, one of the most extraordinary, wonderful experiences of my life to, to speak that in a full cathedral. It was jam-packed. And then to realize that somebody actually rang me and said, have you looked on YouTube recently? And I said, no. And uh, he said, well, have a look, because you've had two point, nearly 2.5 million views for <laughs> St. Mark's Gospel at St. Paul's. I said, you are kidding me. And he said, no, you ought to have a look at it and be encouraged. So uh, it wasn't because of that. But I think what I wanted to do, as I knew that um, Mark's Gospel was acceptable and well received by by the community and not only here but all over the world because i i get letters and tweets from from all over the world and and people seem to have been in a, in a way fed by by it um in a spiritual sense and i thought well i've recorded the whole bible i've recorded uh mark's gospel I have, in fact, recorded John's Gospel. It will be twice because I've, in the complete works, I've recorded it. And also separately, way back, I think it was 1990, early 90s, I did it. And it went out on, on cassette tape. Um, but I thought, look, I'm home. I'm going to be home this Easter. And sometime back, I thought anyway, it's... I would like to do John's Gospel in vision. I want to be the reader so that you can, like people did with St. Paul's and on YouTube, rather than just, just hear it, to actually be with me, join me. Because John's Gospel, whereas I continually read it and reread it, is the most intimate of all the Gospels. And it's, it's suitable to be read to one person. It's, it's not, I don't think this, this is a gospel meant to be read to, to millions all in one go when John wrote it. I think this went to little individual groups or churches. He was a very old man. If it was John that wrote it and it was the disciple, uh, the, the apostle, he would have been a very old man writing in Ephesus in political turmoil between both the Jews and the Christian community. And, um, he 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 wanted to write not a, a diary biography, if you like, of Jesus. He wrote for the purpose that people may read what he wrote and believe that Jesus Christ is divine and is the was the prophesied Messiah, and that by his 
life, crucifixion, and resurrection proved himself to be the son of God, the divinity, that, that Messiah that everybody, the world was waiting for. Don't forget that all the apostles were Jews. So uh, the Jewish, whole Jewish community were looking for this Messiah and he was found to be, and they remembered the, the Old Testament, the prophecies of Isaiah and all those um, uh, references to Jesus in the Old Testament, all of them marry and fit to the personage and divinity of this man, God, Jesus Christ. And that was his purpose. So this intimate, intimate gospel, I thought I would really, really like to, to read it. And way back, I wanted to read it, um, not just for Easter, but at the very early in, in, in April, really, coming up, I think, well, something around last Easter, but I had a, a blip in my eye and I, and I couldn't do it. And this has been healing all, all year, and I'm able to read for longer and longer and longer, and my eyes better now. And I thought, well, I would love to try and do it this Easter. So I contacted um, Hodders, Ian Metcalf, and he managed to get things together in a very short time. I did a lot of preparation, hours and hours and hours and hours of reading John, um, because... It, well, I'll explain that in a minute. And we had the most wonderful offer from Westminster Abbey, the, the Reverend David Hoyle, uh, who, who offered us his abbey. And I said, well, I don't want to do it with an empty abbey. So he said, how about the Jerusalem Chamber? And I went, whoa, my goodness me, the Jerusalem Chamber. Were two things for me where King Henry the Fourth died, and I played Bolingbroke, who was to become Henry the Fourth when I was in the Royal Shakespeare Theatre. But more more important than that, it was where um, the reading of the King James Bible occurred out loud in when uh, Lancelot Andrews, I think, was was being way back in the 17th century, 16th, 16th, where they spoke it out loud to hear what it was, to make sure that it was accurate and everything else, that it was acceptable. And that occurred in the Jerusalem chamber. So to be able to, well, to be offered the, the opportunity of reading this particular gospel in that particular location was something that I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't have manufactured. It just, I think it was a most wonderful thing to be offered, and I embraced it with all my heart. And uh, there, there you have it. It was wow. going out on Easter Sunday, four o'clock, on their website and uh, on their YouTube website. And thereafter, it will be up there with Mark on the general YouTube, and uh, see see how people react. Yeah. To it. it almost sounds when you talk that in another life you could have been a biblical scholar. Completely, <laughs> it's captured something well, in you that you're willing to devote hours and hours of your life to. I've always, ever since my I'm a late convert uh, to Christianity. Uh, people who know me know my background. My family were uh, Lithuanian Jews uh, way back. They, my my great 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 or great grandfather, I found out during Who Do You Think You Are was a rabbinical butcher with the name Shocket, which is where Suchet comes from. So, yeah, my, my, my background on both sides, actually, my father's male side, 
are 100% Jewish and very Orthodox Jews. My mother was a Christian, so that was bang, that was the end of that. And my grandmother was a Christian, so bang, the girls in our family uh, brought the end to Judaism in England, uh, my other family all over the world are Jews. Uh, but in England, uh, they gave up the, uh, their Jewish faith and we went to Christian schools and I was brought up as a Christian, but as a nominal Christian. And as most nominal Christians, you know, not most, but there's some nominal Christians who tend to drift away because it's a, it's, it's religion for exams or, or, or duty or, or that sort of thing. It's not, it's not a religion of the heart. And in 1986, I had a converted beginning of a conversion experience when I was filming in Seattle. I was filming a, a, a film called Harry and the Hendersons, I remember. I, my head, I don't know how it happened, but my head was pushed into the Bible. And I started by reading Romans because um, I knew Paul existed. I knew nothing about Jesus at that time, except what I'd done at school. But I knew that Paul existed and I was interested in Rome and I read that epistle. By the end of it, I had found a way of being or a philosophy of life to which I wanted to adhere. Because as growing up in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, you know, we're very aware of Beatles and the Brews and magic mushrooms and all those things. And I was one of those people who began searching outside of Christianity for searching for something more meaningful, more spiritual than that, give it more meaning. And uh, coming to read Romans, I found a way of, of being that I really wanted to make mine. But I couldn't do it unless I found out about Jesus. And because um, Paul is very clear, if you do not believe in the resurrection, if you do not believe in the risen Christ, go home, don't even bother. So my brother's name was John, he's John. And I thought, well, I'll read John's gospel. And of course, John's gospel is written so that you may believe. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but when I got to the very end and read that, I thought, this is it, I, this is it, this is my message. And um, I've devoted my life since then to the word and to the word of God in our Bible. and. Also in, in, in trying to be broad-minded, in reading and studying other holy texts, reading the Quran, having a look at, at other writings, and really concentrating a lot of my, of my reading, as much in the Old Testament as the New Testament, because the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible. This was his. He was a Jew. Um, I would say a liberal orthodox, but <laughs> which sounds like a strange thing to say that it's just a personal thing but he was he was steeped in scripture and knew it what what particular passages have had resonance for you over this last year of uncertainty and turmoil has there been anything that's really sustained you well it's all to do with john i'm afraid it's to do with john's gospel and and i i don't make any apology for it um john's gospel has been with me most of lockdown and in this last easter so has the book of common prayer because i wanted to get back to a slightly more ordered form of personal worship for lots of reasons but i just felt i wanted to do that and that has taken me into regular bible reading 
during my spare time. But in my quiet time away from that, that's my formal prayer. But in my quiet time away, when I want to be silent with God and have a relationship with Him in a personal way and read read the Bible, I'm always coming back to John, irrespective of the fact that I was going to record. Because it is such an intimate, intimate book. And Jesus can speak to you as a person rather than just as a group. And it is John 15, 16, well, it really starts at 13, when he washes the disciples' feet and his long, wonderful, personal, quiet discourse with his disciples after the Last Supper. And so 13, 14, 15, 16, um, and, and 17, his amazing prayer for his disciples before he then is arrested. So 13, 14, 15, 16, John has been with me and sustained me in the most wonderful way. You've described in the past the variation in pitch and tone that has come quite naturally as you've prepared to read aloud. What's the tone that you've identified that fits John's gospel? Warm and intimate. If you like, I want the listener to feel very comfortable with me. I don't want to read it in any form of declamatory uh, tone at all. I want you to be sitting with me. And as I look into the camera, I'll be looking at you. And I'm just reading reading to you. I may be reading to, to what may amount to millions, but um, my tone is intimate, warm, friendly, not to push you away, but to draw you in and just share it with you. Just share, to, to, to be sharing. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've got more to discover, more layers of the Bible every time you read seem to uh, seem to reveal themselves to you and come alive to oh, you. So Yes. yes. And John itself, John himself, that gospel is rather like I was speaking to my wonderful uh, director of music at Tower of London yesterday. And he, his favourite and my favourite musician is Bach. And John's gospel is Bach. It's all counterpoint. You've got the top line, but you've got other other meanings and references that just go down, 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 down. And you can't sound not like Bach. You can hear all those things, but when when I read John, you've only got my voice, and I can only do one thing: that I hope uh, with my tone to convey a little of all the other layers that John is writing about. It's not complex. Um, people make it complex. It's not really complex. But I wish I had the ability to have like four different voices all sounding at the same time. <laughs> this great. There's great depths and there's great mysticism in the Bible. There's a huge mysticism. And I often feel, you know, when people do read the Bible, and please, my message to everybody is to read it out loud, quietly to yourself. Never, never, never either, never read the word silently. I'm not talking about silent prayer now. I'm talking about reading the word. Always sound it so you can hear it. Let it go in, into your body. Absorb it. And let, and let it come out as you continue reading. It's a wonderful, wonderful relationship you can have with God and his word. And as Jesus said, his word is food, food for us. And so is, so is the, the, the Bible. It's clear how profound it is for you and how much it's touched you and, and changed your life. Because you, you said 
I read somewhere that you said you were a, a sort of reluctant convert. You were dragged kicking and screaming into yeah. the kingdom, but it doesn't yeah. seem now like there's any trace of. Do you still have doubts? Do you still question? Are you? Does anything ever oh, still come back? All the time. <laughs> For example, when I watch nature programs and I see live animals killing and eating live animals. And I see the beauty of nature, but also the cruelty of nature and the pain of nature. And I look at the cruelty in the world and the suffering in the world. Oh, and the wars and how we as mankind, what we're doing to our planet. Yes, creates doubt, saying, what are you doing? Why can't you intervene? Why can't you intervene? I'm certainly not going to go into that, but I have learned enough that that is not the way. He, he will at one point in the second coming. Yes, he will intervene, but in his time. But when I look at the world around me and the suffering and the cruelty and the pain, yes, I, I, I like all the prophets in the Old Testament and in the Psalms, hold up my hands and shout, where are you? Where are you? Yes, I cry out, where are you? Because I doubt. I don't know where you are with this suffering world. But he is here, and I, I will not let that put me off. Um, I've got to hang on. I've got to hang on to what I read here. I've got to hang on to it. I've got to hang on, otherwise, if I don't stay in that book, and that's only one book, that's, that's all I need, and it'll keep me there. It will keep me there, because I can share the pain with those who are shouting out in agony in that book. That's what makes the Bible so wonderful. It's not just a, a rosy, no, it's not just looking at life through rose-tinted spectacles. It's a book full of pain, full of anguish, full of suffering, full of wars, full of genocide, and full of the agony of God's only son. It's full of pain, but it's full of hope and it's full of praise, and it's full of guidance. How do you take your own spiritual temperature now? I don't think I can. I don't really measure it. I, I get frustrated, like all people, because I go into areas of not wanting to do anything, and feel we call it the desert experience, don't we? Christians call it the dark desert experience, uh, that you just feel separated from God and, and all that. But, but out of that comes good good things. Um, sometimes I feel cold, sometimes I feel lukewarm, sometimes I feel hot and passionate. But I never forget in my heart, although I may cry out like the psalmists, although I might cry out, and I have cried out in my early days, by goodness me, I've, I've all pay, prayed with the psalmists for, for God to do whatever he wants with me because I'm completely helpless and angry and frustrated. I mean, I'm, I'm a passionate man. I, I am a passionate man. I'm not all head. I'm, I'm very gut-driven. But I, I don't know how to take my own spiritual temperature. I have to remind myself all the time to keep coming back and reading this, because that actually keeps you sane. I remember Terry Waite saying when he was in jail, the one thing that kept him sane was that because he'd done the morning and evening prayer from the Book of Common Prayer, he was able, and he learned it, and he had it in him. And one of the things that kept him sane was to be able just to go through morning and evening prayer. It's not long, 
because uh, he was so familiar with it and that kept kept his faith alive. So it is through prayer, through silent prayer, through the words. Actually, sometimes I will actually just sit and cry out, help me. And I think that's, that's, that's what all of us need to do in the pandemic. And I would love to see the leadership of all Christian denominations coming together worldwide. There you are, here's something I pray for. In a worldwide day of prayer. We've had a, prayer, a day of reflection in this country on the anniversary of lockdown. I would like all Christian communities and all other faiths to come together those with faith and those with religion, and throw ourselves open to God and pray for healing and peace in the world. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.